The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. God of heaven, I know that if we are not washed in your precious blood, if we are not made clean, we cannot stand before the judgment. I know that if we are not made righteous, if we are not cleansed and purified of all sin, I know we cannot stand before a righteous judge. 
Lord, I pray today that your mighty power will open our hearts and our minds. For, Lord, what you have given me to say today is very controversial. It is discounted. It is cast aside as foolishness in your church. Lord, we are in trouble in America. The church is being swept away, Jesus. And with it, your people are being deceived and cast aside. Lord, I'm praying today you will open our hearts and our minds that we will not just dismiss the word of Scripture because we've been taught something else. Lord, come with power today. Lord, I am the least of your servants. I have no standing except in you, Jesus. I have no power except your power, Jesus. I have no I have no authority except the authority of the blood. I have no influence except by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, would you come today and would you deal with our hearts? Lord, it's not my words. It's not my argument. Lord, let your words come forth with power today. I pray in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. We live in a very dangerous time in America. There is a battle raging. Now, you may think that I have reference to the battle of the political titans as they have battled for the presidency. That is not the battle I have in mind, although that battle is a manifestation of a much deeper battle that's going on for the soul of America. There is a battle of spiritual morality that is going on for the heart of America. All of the West, including America, was founded on the Judeo-Christian ethic. It was founded on an ethic of honor. Honor being my saying, I will not do that because it will violate the one I serve. There was an honor code even in America when I was a child when my father would do business with a handshake, with his word. There was a righteousness in America in my life as a child where there was right and there was wrong. And we all culturally understood much of what was right and wrong. We knew it was wrong to lie. 
we did not parse words like is. We knew it was wrong to steal. We knew it was wrong to be sexually unclean. We knew it was wrong to be an alcoholic and deprive our family of the financial resources necessary for their sustaining ability. We knew there was a moral code of right and wrong. The pulpits thundered this righteousness. I remember in the New York Magazine when I was just a child, the New Yorker, and there would be a cartoon. And the cartoon would have a man dressed in a robe like that of Jesus, a long beard, and he would be holding up a sign saying, the end has come. And everybody laughed. Everyone derided preachers of hellfire and brimstone. By that they meant preachers of righteousness. Some of the early preachers in America, like Amy Simpson, began to bring entertainment as the power of the Holy Spirit was withdrawing from her she began to bring wild entertainment into her meetings, even driving up on the platform on her motorcycle. Pardon me. There was coming into America, into the pulpits, foolishness. Oral Roberts, when he began his ministry, the power of the Holy Spirit would fall in a meeting and manifestations would take place, and he preached holiness, righteousness. But I watched as his ministry was destroyed by his lust for money and power until his whole ministry became a sorry joke. And other false pastors rose up. And they took a truth like covenant and they twisted it for selfishness. But there was also blame in other camps. There was also difficulty with other preachers. The Methodist Church the Nazarene Church, the Assemblies of God, and other holiness churches either went to legalism or they went to worldliness. And a false gospel began to be preached across America. Now, always there has been a struggle between Calvinism and Arminianism. Calvinism held in itself the seeds of the destruction 
of America. The destruction that we see playing itself out today is being birthed out of the seeds of Calvinism. But Armenianism also held within itself the seeds of destruction that we see coming into America today. In both camps, there were the seeds of destruction that are bearing fruit in America. I will become very specific. Be patient with me. It comes to a question of legalism in the Armenian camp against grace in the Calvinist camp. Both are false. Neither one will bring a person into the kingdom of heaven. But they have countered one another. Now, these seeds of destruction had not borne fruit in George Whitfield, who was a Calvinist, or in John Wesley, who was an Armenian. This fruit of destruction had not yet been born in their hearts. If you read the sermons of either man, George Whitfield, Jonathan Edwards, John Wesley, three of the stalwart preachers of America, you will find in each of these three cases a very clear understanding where they were utterly unified in their beliefs. And that is that a man had to be transformed into a new creature in Christ Jesus. That a person who continued to walk in their sin was not saved. This is the message that Whitfield preached, and this is the message that John Wesley preached. This is not the message being preached across America today. I come to you first out of the book of Jude. Jude was a half-brother of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was a brother of James, the first pastor of the New Testament church. They both identify themselves not as brothers, half-brothers of Jesus, but rather they both identify themselves as do-loss servants. Now, a do-loss servant was one who had no right to property, who had no right to family, who had no rights at all except they belonged to their master. Both James and Jude identified themselves as slaves of Jesus Christ, as the property 
of Jesus Christ. But the modern gospel of America does not require that of being a doulos slave. Instead, the gospel that we hear in America tells us that we can have Jesus and everything else too. Now, there were those who tried to stir up conflict between George Whitfield, the great evangelist, and John Wesley, the great evangelist of Armenianism, of holiness. They corresponded with one another, and they understood clearly that both of them were standing on the solid rock of Jesus Christ as do-lost slaves, and they clearly understood that a man who continued to walk in his sin could not be saved. that a man had to leave his sin behind to enter into the kingdom of God. This is what Whitfield preached. This is what John Wesley preached. That is not what is being preached in America today. And I may be so bold, being nobody, to say to you that the trauma of the political drama that we see being played out before us is a direct result of the much deeper spiritual battle that is going on for the soul of America between righteousness and wickedness. Now, was Hillary Clinton a wicked woman? Yes, she is an utterly wicked woman. Is Donald Trump a wicked man? Yes, he is also a wicked man. But there are certain political stands that are being taken that either will complement or will destroy the moral value of America. One stood for late-term abortions, even killing newborn babies and selling their body parts. I know of one holiness church denomination that is well known for its hospitals. They do third-trimester abortions. They do late-term abortions, and they sell body parts, and they call themselves a Christian holiness hospital. This is how far we've sunk in America. We have utterly forsaken godliness And I'm going to lay this squarely, not on the politicians, but on the pastors of America. And I must take a part of that blame. For many years, I taught forensic righteousness. Now I'm going to explain what I mean. 
I was utterly deceived. I was simply teaching what I had been taught at seminary and in the denomination I was a part of. I was merely teaching what I had been taught. But as the Holy Spirit through the years began to cause me to search the scriptures, I had to leave that denomination behind. I had to cut my ties at great personal expense. At great personal anguish and pain, losing friends, being utterly cut off, separated. That was the Seventh-day Adventist denomination that continues to this day to teach unbiblical teachings that cause destruction in the body of Christ. They're not the only ones. The Methodists are doing the same things. The Nazarenes, the Assemblies of God, and others, at varying degrees. And so I come today, I want to read this passage from Jude, and then I want to become very specific with you. He writes, Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once and for all entrusted to the saints. Many of you today do not even know what that gospel entrusted to the saints was. You have been taught as I was. You have been deceived as I was with an utterly pagan and false gospel. It says, for certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men who change the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our sovereign and Lord. In other words, Jude is saying, there are men who continue to walk in their sin who are going to change the grace of God into a license for sin. In other words, they're going to be teaching a gospel that approves or okays your continuing to walk in sin while you claim to be saved. And he is saying, I'm going to write to you to warn you against these men. And it says, and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. How do they deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord? They deny Jesus by lying about what the blood of Jesus Christ did at Calvary. They demean the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, let me be very specific with you, please. I was listening this morning to an internationally known and famous pastor 
who has a national radio broadcast. He's heard in every major city in America. This man, who is very well known, and I might say respected and loved, an author, he asked a very simple question on his broadcast this morning. The question was, what is the gospel of Jesus? I want to give you his answer. It will flow over you as smooth as butter. But it will be an absolute lie. And it will deceive many and take many to hell. Let me describe for you what he believes the gospel of Jesus Christ is. I cannot quote his exact words, or I would. He said, The gospel of Jesus Christ is simply that when Jesus died on Calvary, He paid for all of your past, present, and future sins. He completed the work of salvation. That that God took all of your sin and credited it to Jesus. And then he took all of Jesus' righteousness and credited it to you. So now, if you want the righteousness of Jesus to be credited to you, all you need to do is receive Jesus. All you need to do is accept Jesus. And the moment you accept Jesus, all of Jesus' righteousness belongs to you. And you now have an exchanged life. Jesus took all of your sin, past, present, and future, and he gave you all of his righteousness. And so now you are free to enter into the kingdom of heaven, for you are saved. Is that the gospel? Did Jesus forgive on Calvary all of your past, present, and future sins, and all you need to do to access that is to receive Jesus? No. It is a very seductive lie. And most who will preach in the whole tradition of Calvinism will teach this exchanged life 
And they will teach that if you accept Jesus in your little sinner's prayer, you are saved. Now, if you believe that, you will think and believe that you are covered by God's grace. And God's grace is then a blanket that covers over your sinful life. In that teaching, you do not have to leave your sin, but you must simply receive or accept Jesus and your sin is covered And now when God looks at you, he does not see you and your sin. He sees only Jesus and his righteousness. Is that the gospel of Jesus Christ? That's the hard question. You see, if, if in fact, when I receive Jesus, grace covers me, and I can continue in my sin, then the only difference between me and a lost man or woman is that I've been forgiven, and they have not. This doctrine is so wicked that when Focus on the Family did careful research, they found that there was no measurable difference between evangelical Christians and those who called themselves pagans or non-Christians in the television shows they watched, in the way they spent their spare time, in the way they spent their money, where they went on vacation. So Christians today, evangelical Christians, go in large numbers. I've even heard of churches holding conventions in Las Vegas or in other wicked cities. And in the hotels where these Christians stayed, the pornographic television sites that you pay for increased dramatically. The shows that they went to profited. There was no discernible difference between those who called themselves Christians and those who did not call themselves Christians. Is it any wonder then in America that morality has been lost? So our Supreme Court agrees that there is no longer any binding of biblical marriage between a man and a woman that in fact Two men can get married. 
abortion on demand? Every unclean, filthy movie flows out of Hollywood? Every wicked thing is seen on television? All of these things numb the heart when it's all right in many churches for couples to live together with no rebuke and they're not married. It's okay in many churches for divorce to take place with no rebuke. Lying, cheating, stealing, no rebuke from the church, no righteous standard lifted up. Instead, success today in the modern church is measured by the square footage of your building, the number of people who attend. Success is measured by the amount of cash flow you have, by the number of staff you can hire. Those are the modern measurements of the business of megachurch. And so the pastor does not stand up and rebuke King Herod for marrying an illegitimate woman, the wife of his brother, like John the Baptist did. There is no truth being spoken to power in America. Churches do not rise up and say, no, that's evil, and use the power of the vote. Instead, Christians get sucked into voting for a person who is recognized as a liar Christians get sucked into voting and approving policies that are diametrically opposed to righteousness in the scriptures. So our politicians lead the morality of America. That was not so when I was a child. The pulpits rebuked politicians. The pulpits rebuked godlessness. I remember when Dr. Kennedy from Coral Ridge Church in Florida led a great battle against having Playboy placed in the front where children could go into a store and see it. He was scorned for that stand of righteousness. Today, there is no public outcry against unrighteousness. It's accepted. It's our culture. Progressive leftism, communist tyranny, it's all welcome in America. It's time to return to righteousness and holiness. Can I tell you what I believe? And then I'm going to go to the scriptures. Can I tell you what I believe the gospel of Jesus Christ is? 
I believe the gospel of Jesus Christ is good news, first and foremost. I believe the gospel of the modern Reformed Church is bad news because it demeans the blood of Jesus. The good news is this, that Jesus Christ died on Calvary's tree. There he made atonement for the sin of every person on the earth. As we now come to Jesus and repent of our sin and turn away from our sin and are born again, made into new creatures, we are washed clean of sin. The power of sin is defeated in our lives. In other words, Jesus at the cross, did not pay for past, present, and future sins. He merely made available forgiveness for past, present sins. He did not forgive your future sins. He made provision for you to no longer walk in your sins. And if you do sin, he made provision for you to come and repent and be made whole and be purified and to be cleansed. You see, if we say that the blood of Jesus Christ is merely grace as a blanket that covers over our sin but leaves us continuing to walk in our sin, then we're saying that the devil is welcome to come and ravage God's bride. I don't believe that. The Bible does not teach this. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the good news that you have been set free of sin. And there's no reason for you to continue to sin. There's every reason for you to walk clean before God. But we have accepted this modern teaching. And believe me, it is a modern teaching. That says every person is bad and every person is unrighteous. And every person is going to always be a sinner person. That's a lie from the pit of hell. And it is the modern teaching of the church. This man I spoke of, he teaches. Yes, you you need to work on self. You need to improve. You need to leave sin, but you'll never totally leave your sin. You're always going to be a sinner. You always need God's grace. And he's interpreting grace as a covering. Nowhere in Scripture is grace taught to be a covering. Grace is undeserved merit, but it is much more than that. It is the divine influence of God that teaches you and empowers you to say no to sin, no to unrighteousness. So today, if you believe that you can continue to walk in your sin and be saved, you are a part of the deceived modern church. And you are responsible in part for the coming judgment of God on America if we do not repent and turn from all sin and wickedness. It's time to repent. 
It's time to believe that the blood of Jesus has the power to destroy the power of sin in our hearts and our lives. But you see, if we believe that we are called to leave all sin, that means we must be changed. And many of you don't want to be changed. You enjoy having your Jesus, your sentimental cotton candy Jesus. You enjoy having your belief as taught by the modern church that you're saved and secure while you continue in your sin. But I'm telling you, my brother, my sister, that's a very comforting theology, but it is a lie from the pit of hell, and it will take you to hell. And I urge you, read the scriptures, read carefully 1 John, read carefully Romans, the 6th chapter, the 7th chapter, the 8th chapter. Ask for understanding. Read the book of Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians. Read the words of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will discover a gospel that is powerful that sets you free from sin and suffering under the power of the devil. Now let me share with you these simple words. These are not my words. These are the words of Jesus as he gave them to his apostle John, the beloved. First John, the third chapter. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. Sin is my choosing to rebel against God and follow the way of darkness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. How is that hard to understand? Now, let's be very clear. I am not teaching that which is a seed in Armenianism that has taken many Armenian holiness people to legalism. I am not teaching legalism. I am teaching that freedom from sin is a gift, a free gift, that righteousness and living without sin is a free gift of grace From Jesus Christ. It is the work of Jesus to circumcise your heart and to make you clean and to take you totally out of your sin and into righteousness. Verse 7 Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous. He who does what is right is dikasune, innocent, made righteous. 
just as he is righteous, just as Jesus is innocent, the believer in Jesus Christ leaves this world of wickedness and sin and becomes righteous in the midst of this wickedness. Now there is a dramatic difference in what they watch, in where they go, in what their words are. They leave the wicked entertainment of this world. They leave the pursuit of of wickedness in this world, and now they belong to Jesus Christ. Saying, dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. What would be leading you astray? To teach you that you are saved in the midst of your sin. To teach you that the gospel is that Jesus provided a covering for you and that you're good to go if you just say a little sinner's prayer and then do the best you can to be a good person. What a lie. He who does what is sinful is of the devil. That's verse 8. He who does what is sinful is of the devil. Are you of the devil today? Have you believed this cheap, trash gospel that is being proclaimed across the airwaves, across America, in the pulpits of America? Have you believed this trash? For that's what it is. It's trash. It is a deception. It is an antichrist deception says, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin. If you are continuing to sin, you have not been born again. No matter what your pastor tells you, regardless of what you believe, it doesn't matter. It matters what the Scripture teaches. So today, if you continue to walk in your sin, you have not been born of God. You are not saved. You are lost. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. The devil's work in your life. This is the power of the blood of Jesus. But it requires that a man turn his back on the way of the world and the devil and be separated unto Jesus. You can't play both ends. It says, no one who is born of God, this is verse 9 of 1 John, the third chapter, no one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he was born of God. If you can go on sinning, you've not been born of God. Now, there are times in my life when I have sinned against the Lord. I confess that. But I could not go on sinning because the weight of the of the Holy Spirit fell on me and caused me to repent quickly and and come to Jesus 
for a total cleansing, a total washing. Let me read it for you. First John, first chapter. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from every sin. Do you find yourself saying, oh, no, pastor, I'm going to always be a sinner. And I'm saved. Then you have drunk the Kool-Aid of the devil and you have bought into the modern preacher's teaching. Whitfield taught that you had to leave your sin. John Wesley taught that you had to leave your sin. Every sin. There was no allowance for the devil, the world, the flesh. It says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Who's he speaking of? Read carefully the context. He's speaking of the Gnostic who is claiming he does not need the blood of Jesus to wash him because he's saved in the midst of his sin because of some righteousness within him. But John continues, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Chapter 2, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now, if at this cross, the atonement of Jesus was for the whole world, for past, present, and future sins, then the whole world would have to be saved. No one could die. No one would be sent to hell. That's simply not true. But verse 3, we know that we have come to him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Verse 6, whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. I ask you very honestly, would you face this question? You may say to yourself, Pastor, I can't leave my sin. Yes, you can. If you're willing to die out, if you're willing to die out to your sin, you can leave it, and Jesus will do a work in your heart. He will cleanse and purify and set you free so that you walk in complete righteousness with Jesus, even as he is righteous. Now, you're going to be tempted by the devil, and for a time you may also be tempted by the carnal nature that resides in every man who is born of Adam. But even that, I believe from the scriptures, can be removed. But hear me when I say to you, if you 
believe that you can sin and still go to heaven, you have been deceived. You have drunk the Kool-Aid of the modern church. It is a lie. Now, we're out of time for today's broadcast. If you know that this message of righteousness needs to go out over this land, if you will join together with me, we can do it. We need to be on the FM side of the dial. We need to be on national radio. We need to lift up a standard of righteousness in this nation and call this nation to repentance. If you believe that, then would you stand with me and would you sacrifice with me as the Holy Spirit leads you? Please write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Now may I please pray with you. Lord Jesus, come. I have no power but by your Holy Spirit. I pray that you will bring deep conviction to the heart of every person listening. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. I love you, my brother, my sister. I want you to follow Jesus in truth. I want you to be transformed into his likeness. I'll talk to you soon. Great joy.